What's up, you crazy bastards? Welcome to another week of E-Crime Bites. This is where I research the court documentation and roast the criminals so you don't have to. All right, so this week I'm bringing you season three. This is episode six, Cyberstalking for China. And I brought to you this individual named Mr. Wu, spelled W-U. He goes to the Berkeley College of Music up in Boston, Massachusetts. I say up because I'm South, okay? So that's why I say up there. So in Boston, he's doing his usual school duties and apparently he's on Instagram and he sees that somebody else in the college posted a pro-democracy poster. And I say poster loosely here, it's kind of handwritten uh, with black marker on a white sheet of just, I would say printer paper and taped to a window. I you would probably not notice it if you walked by it and it was in a store window. Not to say it's not important, victim. I, I, it is definitely important. But for the scheme of things, Mr. Wu could have just walked by and not seen it is what I'm saying here. Like, he didn't have to spend any time on this. But he spent a ton of time on it because he saw it on, on Instagram and apparently probably in real life. And he started posting threats at that person in the public WeChat social chat app that is commonly used in China that had over 300 people from China that were going to the Berkeley College of Music. Started posting things about, you know, I'm going to cut your hands off, bastard, and all this other stuff. And just got really, really personal, okay? And I'm not going to, I'm not even going to bring you what he said, okay? Listen, if you want to know what he said, you got to back up and watch act number one. And I'm going to put a link here that I usually put on YouTube all the time. So you can back up and watch the previous act. But if you're going to plow on, I'm going to continue on with my synopsis here. So Wu is threatening her in WeChat. And I don't know, maybe at some point she's like, oh, maybe he just had a bad day. No, threatens again, threatens again. And then he threatens over Instagram. And then he threatens over email directly to her. All these communications being interstate communications. So the federal government can get involved at this point. And they do because there are two important things that happened prior. There's this one point where Berkeley does an investigation and woos on the record with, yeah, yeah, I cyberstalked this woman, hated her because she didn't like China. That was his reasoning. So he's on the record there. And then the victim went to court, took him to court for a temporary restraining order. And he went to court on the record and said, yep, yep, threatened her, threatened her, hated her, hated her. She like, she really hated China. So therefore I hated her. And in this scheme basically implied to the victim that not only is he threatening her and saying he's going to chop off her hands and all this other stuff, he reported her family and friends to the Chinese government saying they are anti-Chinese while they're in China. So I can imagine not a good scenario for her family and friends. Okay. And if you've happened to notice, I've had this picture of him on the screen, this whole up, up until this point, it looks like he's in the interview room and he is because he's arrested December of 2022 when a complaint is filed on cyber stalking by the federal government. So the no shit federal government stepped in and said, yeah, no more cyber stalking. We're now going to arrest you. And here he is 
having an interview. And I can only imagine if you caught act one, I can only imagine he talked really verbosely at both of those things, you know, um, with the investigation with Berkeley college and with on the court record that I can only imagine when he's sitting with the police officer, he's probably giving them everything else because he did, he did give them his password to his phone. So the police officers could just easily pull all the stuff off his phone and see the evidence for themselves too. So, you know, he talks to them and gives them the same story. They ask him questions like, Hey, uh, did you do this? And he's like, fuck yeah, I did this. Fuck yeah, I did this. She hated, she hated China. So I had to do something, right? I'm sure it wasn't exactly like that, but it was probably something along those lines, I imagine. And so, you know, the government got the password, went back, looked at all the evidence on the phone and went, oh, okay, we can actually charge them with more here. And came back with an indictment that had two counts. So it had the original stalking that I told you about, but the second one was, account of interstate transmission of a threatening communication. And that basically means that email that went through, you know, from Boston, Massachusetts over to California and back to Boston, Massachusetts, that was an interstate transmission. So a new count, which listen, legal wise, I don't, I do cause I'm the podcaster, but when I used to not be a podcaster, I didn't really care about the law name so much because it's usually how many counts that are on there and the severity of the accounts. So cyber stalking, stalking pretty severe, and that's a count. And then the second one is interstate transmission of, of threatening communication, also very severe. And that makes it two counts that he has to worry about. So meaning more prison time that he's going to be looking at if he's convicted of these things. So then, then when he's arrested, Wu's probably like, Oh fuck. Oh, oh, so that's how this works. Oh, okay. Oh, so I said I did this stuff and then you arrested me. Oh, see, it works different in China. Really, I need to file a motion to suppress all that shit that I said because I didn't know you could do that. That's completely different than how it works in China. Now, listeners, this is why I gave you all that background in Act 1 about how it works in China is because now he's arguing it works differently in the U.S. and ah, you should give me leniency because I should know this or I should not know this. So he wants to suppress all those statements that he made for many reasons, many reasons. He said, I didn't know enough English. I mis misunderstood many things on that temporary restraining order court appearance and when interviewed by the FBI. He said, I may not even understood the Miranda warning. Listeners, again, I know it seems like tangents, but this is why I'm explaining Miranda warnings to you. He is saying, I'm Chinese. I didn't even understand the Miranda warning. So all that stuff afterwards, psh, you just got to let that go, right? And that's all, all me saying that I was guilty. Got to let all that shit go. And then he goes on to say, you got to look at my life in China. Okay. It's a little different than it is here in the U S all right. If I were interviewed in China by the authorities, I don't really have the right to refuse to answer questions. I really should have refused to answer your questions. I know. I understand that. I understand that now. I understand that now. That's why I'm doing the motion to suppress. Trust me. I understand that now. So please just do that motion to suppress. Okay. That's basically his argument here. 
And then he goes on to say the Chinese criminal justice system, it relies heavily on confession. So it really, I thought I had to talk in this case. I really did. I thought I had to talk. I didn't know I didn't have to talk. I really should have shut up. So please suppress all that stuff when I should have shut up. And then they just go on and they said, you know, yes, in theory, you could assert a right to silence in court. But I guess it sounds like in practice, according to this other doctor, and I say doctor loosely here, and I say it loosely in my doctor sense. It's not a medical doctor. It's, it's the Keith Jones doctor sense. So this Dr. Belkin, which is an expert witness on behalf of the defense, so take this for what it's worth, said that he was not aware of a defendant asserting, uh, I'm sorry, asserting such a right in court. Okay, so what he's saying is he's never heard of anybody in China ever asserting this right. So take that for what it's worth. That's their argument. With all that, Wu says, all my interviews, all that phone data that I gave you because I gave you my passwords, you got to throw that shit out. You got to throw that shit out. I didn't know. I did not know that's how the U.S. system worked. Okay. The government, they came back and they said, wait a minute, we get an argument here. He doesn't get to just argue and you get to walk away. We say bullshit, okay? Because he studied English in China, not just one year, not just two years. He studied four years of English before even coming to the U.S. So you cannot believe him when he says he did not know English, okay? He definitely knew English. He, he's, he's not 100% a Mandarin speaker at this point. He's been speaking in English throughout. And even then, he was given an interpreter and... There's opportunities of interpreter. And there was one point he had an interpreter and he was speaking better and faster than the interpreter where he dismissed the interpreter. So what, what can we do at that point? Right? It was Wu's idea to dismiss the interpreter. This is what the art, the government's arguing, arguing. And then the government says, listen, I know he says he didn't understand his Miranda rights, which fucking bullshit on that. Right? But listen, we still gave him, written in English and written in simplified Chinese. So there should be no reason why he did not understand his rights when he signed off on that. Okay. And then the government says, listen, you don't have to believe us. Here's court record or an interview, a recorded interview of one of our agents talking to him. Here's an example of his English. And I had to read this to you just to give you a flavor because when I read this, I was like, all right, the guy understood. Yeah, he definitely understood some English. So the agent says, okay, where did you see this poster originally? Wu says, I think it's at 150 Massachusetts Avenue. The agent says, okay. Wu says, a lot of, a lot of things is on all the campus. The agent says, okay, so you saw this poster and what was your reaction to this poster? Wu says, I feel angry of that. You are from China and you post this. This is a lot of political scholar things in China. What she did, she posted, the poster is forbidden in China, but right now in here is okay. The agent says, yes. And Wu says, and most of them, I think the average student from China mainland got to hate her, what she did. And the agent says, okay, so you're angry that she posted criticism of? And Wu says, yeah, pretty angry with that. I imagine he was a little more angry than I'm reading it. Like, yeah, pretty angry with that. 
And then the agent says, are you yourself a member of the Chinese government or like the Chinese Communist Party? And it upsets you that you criticized it? And Wu says, no, I'm not like the member of the CCP or something. I just love my country. So you can see he's conversing with the agent. He's having some broken English, but you can tell that he's not stopping the agent and saying, I don't understand what you mean. He's continuing the conversation, giving him information and kind of even correcting himself if it if it's not clear. Okay. So then the court goes back and they said, huh. Okay, we got argument from one side, we got the argument from the other side. We're gonna deny this suppress this motion to suppress because this is kind of bullshit. He knew he was waiving his rights to talk to these agents and uh giving over his passcode. So all that evidence stays in. And you can imagine Wu has the moment of the picture that I put on the screen for you right now, which is kind of like, oh shit, right? That was probably his one good play here because he had so many statements everywhere of his guilt where he was probably like, ah, getting the evidence thrown out. That was my only one good shot. The judge said no. So what do I do now? But on... January 23rd through January 25th of 2024, Wu says, fuck it, let's try and see what a trial does. And he goes to trial. It's a three-day trial. And guess what happens? The jury comes back and they slide over a form to the judge. The judge reads it and says, yeah, yeah, I can see that too. Guilty on both counts. Guilty for stalking and guilty were threatening over interstate communications, which is kind of a no-brainer, right? Because we saw the communications. We know it's interstate because it goes over email, which is pretty much any email anywhere, any any day. And if you just pause on that for a moment, Wu admitted it to the school, and then he admitted it in court. So, <laughs> I mean, what, what other verdict could there have been in this case, really? So this is where we stop. This is where we're done with the case. And I know, I know, I really want to know what the sentencing, right? Right? It's like we're at that point where he's actually going to be punished. And you want to know what it's going to be at the end of the day. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it is yet. The court is still deciding what his punishment is going to be. So when we get that update, I'm going to come back and give it to you. I will tell you what it could be, okay? The charge of cyber stalking alone carries up to five years in prison. So that's pretty hefty. Just, you know, alone. Five years is a lot for for sending you know, a few emails. I, I don't want to minimize it, but some of these other cases, there were people that could have been hurt physically because there were hitmen hired. So five years, that's eh, kind of a lot for an email that was just verbally threatening. Um, the charge of interstate transmissions of a threatening communication, that's another five years. So you add that together, the whole thing would have been about 10 years max, okay? If you add up the 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 monetary penalties, that could be up to a half a million dollars, meaning there's a quarter million dollars a piece on each of those counts. So at the end of the day, he could be facing 10 years in trial and a half a million dollars in fines. Now we wait. I seriously seriously doubt it's going to be that much. Okay. I recommend that you check back when I see, when I finally see an update on what his sentencing be, I'll, I'll do an update like I've done in other cases, 
personally, if I had to guess, if I had to bet on it, if I had to put money on it, I would say it's probably one lesser year in prison could possibly, possibly even be probation. And I'm going on record now before sentencing. I, I could be totally off. I don't know. I just feel like I didn't see any other criminal background other than this stalking where the judge is probably going to go, okay, he'll probably serve something little and then he'll finish maybe his studies and go overseas and not be anybody's worry at this point. I just, that's just how I see it. I don't see them giving him a multi-year sentence up to the max of 10. It, that just seems utterly insane, um, at least for this case, in my opinion. And, okay, so last, that was one of my last final thoughts in this case. Another final thought was his gamble didn't pay off for him, right? You do hear people go, I'm going to gamble on a trial, and it is a gamble because a jury can come back with the exact opposite of what you want. They could have a bad day. Somebody could be having a headache and say, I want to fucking get out of here and do that. So you really don't know what a jury is going to come back with. And in this case, it came back with the exact opposite of what Wu wanted. He had two counts, right? I mean, it was kind of like the, the game for the Super Bowl. All I wanted was the Detroit Lions to win and the Baltimore Ravens to win. And they both lost. And in this case, Wu lost on both of his counts too. So, all right. I don't know why he chose to go for it. Maybe, maybe it was his only choice. Maybe it was like, what am I going to do? Plead guilty to two counts or go to trial? And he went to trial and he found guilty of two counts. So he didn't really have much to lose. Now, the most important final thought here is just maybe a precautionary tale. I don't know how you want to look at this, but giving statements in a civil case or in an investigation of any sort can definitely be used against you in a criminal trial. So the temporary restraining order and the court statements were used against him. The Berkeley school investigation used against him. I saw it in the court records. He tried to argue against having it used against him and the court said, nope, nope, we're using it against you. And I think that's what factored into him being guilty at the end of the day of the two counts. Okay. And so with that, I just want to remind you, please like subscribe, thumbs up, follow, whatever it is on your application. Just please do it. I try not to ask of money. Don't send me money. Don't go buy things. Just those things. They help spread this video to other people. It just spreads the viewership and it helps me out immensely. And I appreciate it so much. So if there's anything you can do, please just do that. Just do that. Click for me. And with that out of the way, let me preview next week. Next week, I have season three, episode seven, which is trick bot malware author Vladimir Dunyev. Okay, and that's spelled D-U-N-A-E-V. All right. This is going to be an interesting case. This is one of those things that popped up on my radar. And I said, this is a big enough case. I think we should put some time into this and... Um, maybe spend a little more on the technical side of malware because a lot of these cases I've been bringing you have been cyber stalking or, you know, maybe theft of Bitcoin. And it has been real. There has been a lot of technical um, tools behind the scene used in the crime other than just generic things that everybody uses. So we're going to talk about malware. We're going to talk about what malware can do, um, why it's bad. And the fact that people write it behind the scenes, some people are paid to write them. And 
you know, some people make money off of like ransomware malware where they infect your computer and lock up all your files and hope that you'll pay them some huge amount of money to get access to your files back. That That's all the same thing. So we're going to talk about those technical things and then um, just wrap it up in a true crime story like I always do. So I hope to see you back then. All right. Thanks. Bye.